Welcome to Uphill Conversations, your ride-along partners for your emerging future. Everything in life worth having is uphill. You can't go uphill with downhill habits. It's time for another show with your host, Tim Picararo and Megan Finner. Are you ready to be inspired? Well, hello and welcome to Uphill Conversations. I'm your host, Tim. And I'm Megan. And we are glad you can join us as you are living your life and heading towards your emerging future. Hopefully you are eliminating any downhill habits and canceling out all agreements with limiting beliefs. And yes, it is true. You can be more, do more, and have more. What's up, Megan? Uh, Not much. We are excited to be back with uh, episode 31 this week. I, I don't know if any of you noticed, hopefully you did, we took a little break um, last week, break. and uh, but it's been great because we've actually been sharing some of our favorites on social media this week, and you know, hopefully when you didn't see the new show pop up in your subscription, of course, that you have on iTunes yeah. or Stitcher. You would notice, um, you would have noticed. You would have noticed. And I did get someone to say, hey dude, I was driving to work, they texted me and said, where's the episode? <laughs> And I said, oh, there's not going to be one this week. We'll be back to normal, everything. He's like, yeah. oh, um, this is what I listened to driving. Well, hopefully then he took a chance to go back and maybe listen to one that he liked. Well, that's what I told him. Or one that he hadn't had a chance to listen to. Well, yet. he's listened to all of them. He's been from day <laughs> one listening. And he said, and the, you know, some of the shorter ones, he gets upset because he likes it when they're at this certain time, this you know length, because then he has it to work and then... If he takes a break, you'll listen again, but then it's home. And so he does He does half and half. I feel like it's a lot of pressure now. The show better be really good. <laughs> <laughs> hey, well, listen, so, I mean, and by the way, if you, you know you've been around me, so those of you listening, I do have some kind of like face thing going on. The face thing is, it's congestion. It's really bad. It's attacked my face. Like, <laughs> I feel like, I feel like Mike Tyson hit me in my face and it's prime, like, and it's prime, like, bam and it's it's bad like my eye one my one of my eyes i feel like i busted a vessel blowing my nose (laughs) (laughs) it's just really you laugh but he's in rough shape i mean yeah so if i do sound like someone's pinching my nose that's just my nose pinching itself (laughs) (laughs) oh boy uh well this week um on the show we have an a really um cool guest uh he is super interesting um he calls himself a positive disruptor of psyches uh jeffrey slater works with entrepreneurs as a transformational coach and he's also a facilitator who's spoken to over three million people from 12 different countries so uh, we really enjoy talking to him um really interesting perspective on a lot of different things so you know we were excited for you to listen yeah and well, and here's the thing. I was at first, Megan, like when we were doing the interview, you know, because, you know, up until now, I mean, we've had some really good challenging guests, mm-hmm. right? And they, they challenge you with the way they think. I love it. I love disruptive things, that things that just make you think different, right? This has been the best one so far, I think, as far as in just like, whoa, he's bringing a completely different point of view on some things. Right? Absolutely. And you really had to... We really had to be very focused and listening to what he was saying because um, everything that he was saying was very rich and was bringing sort of new and different perspectives to um, questions that 
have been answered differently by other people we've right. interviewed. Yeah, and he's like, and what he says is deep. Lots of principles. You know, that was really what was cool, principles. You know, and the thing is, is like, you know, those of you who are listening, I want you to know something. We don't want you to feel like we're trying to get you to believe something else, right? Everybody can believe what they believe. The thing is, is, you know, do you believe what you believe? How do you know you believe what you believe? Prove what you believe, you know? Are you willing to stand for what you believe? And what I really felt, what which, which was really great, was that I love having these types of conversations with people, but I never had one like and then said, hey, let's put this on the air and let everybody listen to it. I have them with all types of people all the time, everywhere else. So it's like, this is like perfect because it is so different. You know, as from my point of view, your point of view, Megan, mm -hmm. all of those listening, everyone, we have different people. We have people, I've, we have friends that are Muslim, Hindi, they're Christian, you know, and I'm a Christian, you know, you're a Christian, he's, you know, whatever they are, they're one too, wouldn't you like to be one, whatever. We're not doing all of that, right? But it's, we're all these things, but can we listen? Absolutely. And I think the thing is, you know, we're such people people and we're all about building relationships. And something that's so important to that is just having great communication. And one thing, you know, Tim and I have been talking about even recently is that, you know, the biggest communication problem we have is that we don't listen to understand. We listen to reply. So it's so important just when you're listening to someone to actually take in what they're saying and try to be open to allow yourself to think from a different perspective and look at things from their point of view. Right. And I think from there, that's where you really can build a true relationship and where you can share your beliefs, you know, and everyone doesn't have to buy into it. But mm -hmm. I love that what you just said. That's correct. That's what we need to be doing more of. I think this world could be a much better place, you know, to be honest with you. I mean, I listen to you, right? I think so. Maybe, <laughs> maybe not. For the most part. <laughs> For the most part. All right. So, well, what we'll do is we'll just jump into this episode then. Oh, no. Oh, dang it. I thought you forgot. <laughs> I didn't forget. You think you're getting away with it. Before we do jump into this, I have a random question for you that you have to answer. So, um, are you ready? I'm ready. Deep breath. I have a feeling that. I have a feeling. Okay. I'm just going to leave this alone. I'm just going to throw it out there. You ready? What is the most unusual conversation you've ever had wow the most unusual conversation yeah and you can't say it with me because <laughs> <laughs> okay so i'm a theater major right so there's a lot of exercises that that we do in acting classes and i think one of the most interesting experiences that I had and then also having a conversation about it was um, we worked with this director who is really, really famous. I cannot think of his name right now, but um, he came to campus. It was my senior year. And the whole thing is basically you start in this dark room, you're laying on the floor and he walks you through this exercise where you're supposed to kind of like feel all the cells in your body, um, have everything. And then he starts leading us through like the birthing process, like we're a fetus being born. <laughs> and it was to me, it just like was the strangest thing. I don't know. I'm, I'm sure there's actors out there that felt like, wow, it just like blew their mind. And it was a great experience. But I just remember sitting there being like, what in the world is going on? So then after that happened, you know, we're, we all... We all finished this exercise and we're sitting in a circle kind of talking birth. about, right, we all were birthed. We were all birthed. <laughs> and then we sat in this circle kind of talking about the experience of what it was like for us to go through being born. 
Oh. So that's probably just the most bizarre as you're still trying to feel what just happened (laughs) you go into what happened right and you still don't know how you feel about what just happened no i no and how old were you when that happened i know 18 no 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 not 18 i was i was probably 20 or 21 at the time yeah, that'd be an interesting time to have that conversation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, thank you for being so good at um, just taking that one. That's good. Yeah, no problem. So any of you over there, out there listening, if you want to think about and tell us what it's like for you, <laughs> <laughs> if you could just feel yourself being birthed. Um, actually, you know what's so interesting is I think they have actually talked about children, the really, really smart Maybe I'm making this up, but probably (laughs) like those prodigy kids, you know, the ones who they end up in college when they're like 12 that have memories from when they were like really, really young. I feel like I remember that from a book that I read. That may be true. I mean, I wouldn't doubt that. Yeah. I really wouldn't doubt that. So they actually remember maybe what it was like to be born. Yeah. See, I'd be scared because it'd it'd be hard. I'd be like, mom, and then, whoa, (laughs) (laughs) it would just be. All right. So. Um, we, <laughs> we're going to move right along now. So if you, um, would like to connect with us, please do so at Megan, M E A. No, no M E G A N at uphillconversations.co. That was testing you. Yeah. Or Tim T I M at uphillconversations.co. That one's much harder. Or you could reach us on the website at uphillconversations.co. Subscribe to the show from there, or you can actually recommend a guest, or you can say you want to be a guest if you feel like you can add some fuel to someone's life and their journey. So thank you for all your support and listening in. So let's jump into this interview with Mr. Jeffrey Slater. Hello, Jeffrey. We are so excited to have you on Uphill Conversations today. Uh, So, you know, basically, uh, how is everything going in your world? Things are uh, really good. Excited about the projects, excited about uh, connecting with you guys, and thank you for building the platform that you do so we can connect with the world. It's always a privilege to connect with good people who are out sharing a message of transformation to go inward. So, uh, and I guess the latest inquiry in my world is, is like it always has been, is who am I, what am I here for, and and how do I continue evolving myself as much as possible? Man, that's awesome. Hey, Jeffrey, so Australia right now, what's going on with your weather? You were saying something when we had a little pre-chat. What's your weather like? Well, it's, you know, it's, we got some rain here, but more but more importantly, I, I live in a one of the, one of my visions in life was to live on the beach, and and so I do. And I, I'm looking out, and I'm just like, "Where's the surf?" There was this. If for the surfers out there that might be listening to this, it's 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 an important thing for the people that are li- that don't surf. It's like, why does he care about the surf? Well, but well, that's what I was going to ask you. The reason I was asking is because you mentioned that earlier, and you said, you know, we when we had a little pre-chat, and you said something about the surf not being there. What does that do, man? This is like a random. Before we get into all this stuff. What is it like when a surfer is looking at the water and you don't see any surf? Because I'm a musician and I know like if I don't have a musician, uh, like an instrument or something, and like if I didn't have any access to music, you know, gosh, I don't know what it would be like. What's it like for you, man, when you do not see any surf? Mm. A sense of uh, a sense of patience. I work I, I do. That's my I'm sit and I, I work on my own level of patience and I. But, you know, you can't make nature do anything. You have to just sometimes wait and receive it. <laughs> and is, I mean, so you, you just kind of sit there. And how does that patience thing work out when you're waiting on it? 
Uh, well, because it always seems to be in a few. It, it it always turns up. Everything passes in life. Nothing is permanent. You know, the current state of the ocean is always in flux, and I think that's a symbol for life. And uh, just like all of us, like you know, just sometimes people are making money and and uh, and they're making a lot of money, and that's not that may not be permanent, or they're not making a lot of money, and that's not permanent. Remember, everything passes. That's a good answer, man. I just I was just curious because just so you know, I don't surf. I like to swim. But when I see those mm. guys, it, I wonder if they just going through a depression or something because. Well, they do. They go through these mini depressions and then they, <laughs> then they go outside. They're happy again. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for letting let me ask you that. And uh, yeah. just to get started. But we're going to we're going to move into some some questions here. And we're really looking forward to this chat. Yeah, you got it. Awesome. Well, Jeffrey, so we so we spent a little bit of time, you know, reviewing your website, uh, some of the videos you have on there, listening to a few of your podcasts, and I was really intrigued by the way that you're helping people through their own personal transformations. So one thing in your um, in your book, imagine you say personal growth happens at the boundaries of your comfort zone, but not everybody has the resources to embark on extreme adventures to push those boundaries. So, you know, how do you skydive without a plane? You know, what are practical ways you can lead people to be able to see things from a different perspective or to push those boundaries? Mm. I would say, well, first of all, I have found in my own journey and I can only share from my own journey and everyone has their own path, right? So I'll just share from my own path and people can take what they'd like is that uh, the absolute transformational most... and because I've been studying transformation work for about 16 years, uh, whether it's with high-flying entrepreneurs or with just everyday people doing their life, that true transformation happens almost at the edge of absolute terror and at the edge of absolute bliss. Now, how I've experienced that was I like to take adventures like into like the jungles and other parts of the world and spend time with people that are indigenous to the land and and, and they, they work they'll often work with incredible medicines or, cer- or ceremonies to have that take place. And it's a fast track, but I didn't start that for till a few years, a few years ago. And op- beforehand it would be, it would, I would probably use more physical adventures. And now, now the adventure, the true adventure is the, is, is the adventure inwards. Wow. That's, I mean, that's rich, man. And I love that edge of terror or edge of bliss. Hey, what does terror look like? And bliss for you. Terror looks like complete annihilation of what I of my identity. Wow. Identity coherence is the most important thing for a human being. And when the identity gets threatened, it it it's a terrifying, annihilating experience. So take everything you think you are, and you know, right now, like my name is Jeffrey. I'm a business guy. Uh, I do business. I have these friends. I have this partner. And remove all that. What are you left with? You know, I went to this school. Uh, this is my family. And there's a sense of identity in there. And when that gets removed, it's absolutely terrifying. And what are you left with? And what you're left with is nothing. And the great news about nothing is there's no thing in nothing. And the most powerful state to be in is a, is uh, is a experience of no thing because you are everything when you're nothing. And, and there's that moment when that happens and it might, but it, it's outside the hands of time. So therefore, when it's outside the hands of time, there, uh, then you're in eternity and then we're back to our true nature as eternal beings uh, where we have no beginning and no end, which, sh- which shatters the identity of mortality and shatters, shatters the identity of separation and the identity of, uh, of fear. 
because we've identified as a human family. I know for myself, I have to, I, I, I did was I identified a lot with fear, what fear of what people think, fear of losing myself, fear of losing control. And so annihilation of that is a terrifying experience. But once you go through it, life is never the same. So would you say talking through that, I mean, do you think that people need more risk? Um, I think, I think it's up to each person's path to, to choose if they want to live more risk. Uh, who am I to say what people need or don't need? I think people have their own soul's journey. What I can say is that my path, if I'm not living at the edge, and I don't mean like at the edge as in like Jeff jumps off mountains and, you know, goes out of, like has a parachute on his back or whatever. I mean like at the edge of my own comfort zone where I get butterflies in my stomach if every single day I don't feel a little bit of butterflies in my stomach, I feel like I'm just taking up space on this planet. And and so I, I seek out butterfly moments in my life. You know, those moments when you're like standing on the edge of something or you you fall in love or you're on a po- you know, on a great podcast and you're not sure how it's gonna what's gonna happen next. Like that's that's edge. Standing in front of a room of a couple thousand people or even five people and you don't know where it's gonna go next, or it's it's a mystery. And that's for, and that's where life happens. We're at the edge of the mystery. Wow, that's I mean that's that's a beautiful uh, uh, explanation there, man. Really, Thank you. Uh, uh, that's that's great. And and you're right. You have no idea where this conversation is going to go, and so neither do we. And we love it, man. Thank you yeah. because it's already real, man. Um, now back to the edge of terror. What does the edge of bliss look like? What does bliss look like? You know, Bl- bliss cannot be had with absolute terror at the same time. Um, a true bliss. I mean, you can have bliss like, oh, that was really loving, and that. But what I found is, true bliss is includes terror at the same time because when we go into the singularity, the singularity of both compressing into itself as like a paradox, and then we then take everything that we know um, and everything we think we are and put it into a grain of sand, and then come out the other side. So when you're really comparing these different things, edge of terror, the edge of bliss, are you are you someone that you would say, you know, you say you live on the edge. So I think that there's a lot of people out there who might who might gravitate around the word fearless or or being fearless in how they approach different things. But it sounds like you're not really advocating fearlessness, but it's just really always challenging those fears and being at the edge of those fears. Or or do you think that they're there's a benefit in really trying to achieve that that fearlessness. Uh, I, I I'm afraid. I mean, I get afraid every day with certain things. The pro- the only difference is I don't let it run my life. Okay. And I think that I think as human beings, uh, we've been programmed, completely programmed to live in fear, fear of death, fear of separation, fear of being alone, fear of um, of what people think. And instead of trying to be fearless, I, I do my best to just embrace my fear and of course, and, and love it, but not be run by it. And so, so do I live at the edge? I mean, in my opinion, for myself, yes. And if I wasn't, that's my own measurement. People can have their opinions are their opinions. But for me, yeah, I, I do. You know, that's why I'm doing, that's why I'm on shows like this. I mean, people are going to like this. People aren't going to like this. going to have their opinions about it. That's, they're not of my interest. My interest is to transform lives and transform my own. And I can't transform lives unless I'm transforming my own. So I'm always seeking what my edge is. What's my edge? What's what's my what what where do I need to be in my life to create the the alchemy necessary for the transformation of my life and my own soul's journey? 
I'm here for my soul's journey. And, I, and, and if I let fear run that fear, run those choices, I won't, I won't live on it. That's awesome. Let me ask you the, the I'm in, I'm right now, I'm in this big study on presence, right? And you know, you can go, you can spend the rest of your life trying to figure out how to be present, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and being, totally. being in moments. And I'm a big person that also believes that, you know, or I, I believe that moments turn into movements, right? So it's all these pieces. It's all, it's a collection of things that create the movement for your life, you know? So let me ask you, when I say being present, like how are you present in where you're in those places of where you experience maybe something that causes those butterflies or in the, in those areas where you're, you know, the blissful places, how would you define presence and being present in those moments for yourself? Well, I think presence is a, I I used to think of it as being present in this um, density of reality. And now I, I, I carried a step further and now I'm really practical in here. I'm just, I'm, I'm not a, just to be clear, because this we're getting pretty esoteric, which is great, um, and it's fun. It's just I've never considered myself a business guy, and never considered myself someone who just sits and meditates. I, I guess I'm an intrapreneur, and as an intrapreneur, as I discover more about what that is within myself and going inward, uh, I realize that presence is a multi-dimensional experience. So not just being present in this density of reality, um, at the higher densities too. So feeling the future version of ourselves that exists. And being present to that, feeling being present to um, our ancestral line and perhaps our other other future and past lives coming together into the into ourselves. True presence for me is not a is not a uh, version of myself that's that's like right here in this moment. Just a little Jeff. I'm talking about presence to me now has expanded to. Uh, Jeff in the future, Jeff in the now, Jeff in his ancestry, Jeff in his relationship with uh, with Mother Earth, uh, Jeff in in the lighter densities, higher densities, lower densities, the shadow of Jeff, everything. Being present to all of it. Wow, man, you, that's a that's a very thoughtful and thought out, um, and I can tell you own it. Uh, response to that. A lot of people I ask them that question and it's kind of like, what, <laughs> you know, yeah. you know, and, and, and you, you know, you kind of feel for people in those moments, but they haven't, you know, I think we're all working on how we define life, you know, every day. Mm-hmm. And, yes. um, and a lot of people won't take the time to even, you know, to go through that process, you know, and, and they, you know, it's like shortcuts to, you know, whatever tomorrow will be, you know, that's basically a shortcut to who knows where instead of, Hey, let me do this on purpose. Let me figure out what I'm going to own and what I'm going to live. And I think that moves into um, something that is big for me as well when it comes to your belief system, right? And what it is that you believe about yourself. So in in your your explanation and how you just described and you know explained to us and you know this whole thing on presence, like what is your what has been your um, you, you know, your process of getting to where you are with how you believe about it? Well, my process has been, a lot. I really, I think my, my, I really stepped into my own transformational work when I was about 20. I mean, if I talk in this life, uh, yeah, I was about 20. And, and then I started meditating every day for 15, 16 years until about now. And then, um, eating different types of food and spending time in ashrams and reading all kinds of books and reflecting and then spent some time 
with some incredible medicine men and medicine women in the jungles and in Mexico and, uh, and then spending time with growing up in a very entrepreneurial family. My father started one of the biggest companies in the world for what it does and, and saw something that started on a kitchen table, go from there, Silicon Valley growing up in that. So I had this weird upbringing and of absolute, uh, quote, spiritual work and then very business oriented. And so, so I've kind of swam in both worlds and now I'm, I've realized I'm neither. Wow. That's a really, it's a really interesting answer. And I'm, I, I'm just so thankful that you're just being so authentic and really going with this uh, conversation. Um, kind of in taking that a little bit further in some of the things that you've said, you, you've stated over and over again, it's up to us to choose, you know, who we want to be. And, you know, you suggest building a to be list. So if I were to ask you today, not necessarily five years from now, or, you know, 20 years ago, or, you know, not 20 years, 15 years ago, when you started, um, you know, what's what's on your to be list? Mm. My I can only my to be list right now is to be a mystery uh, to myself. I used to want to solve all the problems of the universe myself. You know, it's like one of those things. Like I need to read every single self help book out there, and uh, and train every seminar and and do every experience, and and then I will finally solve this mystery, as if it was a problem to be solved. But actually, it's a it, the mystery is a is to live in. So I do my best to just live in this mystery and enjoy it instead of fixing it or solving it. Uh, you know, as as the rain falls, it's a gift to be able to watch it and to be able to talk at the same time and listen to it. And uh, and so I guess gratitude is, is to be to be grateful uh, would be it. Grateful for the food on my plate. Grateful for I, I I make a really good. I can make good toast. I like this turmeric tea. <laughs> I'm really a fan of. You know, like I'm just grateful for life. What do you put and, on your and, toast, man? What do you put on your toast? Oh, I just put. Uh, I my favorite thing is like cinnamon and and organic sugar. <laughs> like, it's horrible, you know. Like like I can't cook. I'm really bad. I'm a really horrible cook. But, but I can you make can a make toast. some toast, right? You can make some <laughs> I got mean this, toast. I can make a mean toast. I, in my Instagram, you know, people post their nice cars. I posted this new toaster I got. <laughs> Check it out. Like it's all you know. It, it's it's just as stupid as posting a nice car. You know, it's all whatever. And so I just decided to do that because. Because achievement's not not what it's all cracked up to be, you know, cracked up to be. We've been led a lie. We've been fed lies about the history of who we are as human beings, fed lies about what to eat, fed lies about what success is. It's all a lie. So go challenge it. We grew up in a culture, and we didn't even realize we were part of a mainstream culture, is a cult that you, that doesn't have our best interests in mind. Wow. So the more we can strip it away, the better our life gets and go back to the original premise of who we are as human beings. And then, and that's what I do with executives is we strip away the cultural programming to look back to the original premise of who they actually are. And then they build their companies from there. And then it becomes raw, real, and powerful. So when you're working with those different executives, you're, you've talked about some of the different things you do, kind of taking them to the edge of terror and bliss. And, you know, so they're realizing fears or challenges how do you take them from the point of realizing those fears and challenges and working with them to create a positive results? How do you take something that is scary or negative and bring good out of it? Well, each person has their own edge of what terror is. And usually what lies on the what lies on the other side of that is everything they ever wanted, um, but they didn't know they want. It's everything they actually need. Often our wants can distract us from what we actually need. 
And so like, for example, I do this, you know, like in about two months, I'm taking about about 21 of us going to the jungles and in Machu Picchu, we're meeting with these, some of the original people that created the songs of the the original songs of the jungle, um, you know, Shipibo people for those, you know, and, uh, and we'll be spending time over there for 11 days. And then, uh, then in March go to uh, Costa Rica and spend time with this, these incredible medicines that aren't for everybody. And so it's not me taking them to the edge, it's themselves and their relationship with, with, uh, the universe to take them to the edge. I just, I just, I'm just there as a witness and I get to, to see it unfold and to support. Uh, but it's really them doing the work. I'm just hanging back. I don't like to get in people's way of their own transformation. I like to, to set it up and say, okay, good luck. It's on you. Cause then people find their own medicine. People often will, 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 get in because because they'll often get in the way of someone else's transformation by being so helpful. Mm -hmm. That's a really interesting uh, thought. I've never really, really thought about that. You don't want to get in someone's way as they're finding their own clarity. Um, But I'm sure that you have people who they go through that experience and they come out and they have clarity, but they also have questions. And, you know, they maybe want to you know, want to talk to you and, and have some ideas. So how do you kind of work with them on the other side of that experience? Sure. I'm so glad they come out with, that is what happens. They come out with a lot more questions and instead of answers, and we have a life full of questions, then we have a life worth living. When we have a life full of answers, we have stopped learning and we're dead. So they do come out with a lot more questions, just like I'm continually asking more questions, just like you ask, ask great questions, which is the secret to life and having a and is the music to life. So what the challenge is we have too many people with too many answers out there and, and that creates stagnation and that creates, um, that slows the evolutionary process down of where we're going. So what I do with them is, is I don't answer the questions. Maybe we answer more questions, answer, answer the questions with the questions and they discover their own clarity within themselves that no one can take away. And then, and then what happens? We we might ask the question: How do you integrate this into your into your your business and your teams and your leadership? And they start to come up with these answers that are counterintuitive and paradoxical. And from those paradoxical answers, they're able to be more fluid in their thinking. And and the person in the system that has the most range usually has the most influence. So because they're fluid thinkers again they become more influential in their leadership. And then they, because they have had the experience of their symbiotic relationship with everything around them, they then don't want to hurt anything around them anymore because they realize that they are that. And then then they open their hearts more and they build a company from a place of uh, their hearts and their logical brain then takes a back seat and becomes of service of their heart. And they build companies that are very, very, very inspiring or at least um, the next inflection point of the company is inspiring. You know, I love what you said. They're more influential with their leadership. You know, that's the yeah. thing that grabbed me. Um, I do a lot of leadership coaching and um, and I love that because leadership is influence. I mean, nothing more, nothing less. I mean, there's a lot of other things. But when I tell people when you're leading, it's influence and you have to understand that. But you're not going to be good with a leader with any type of influence if you don't understand that a question is never a question. The best thing for you to do is when you have a question is to realize it's like I use the illustration of it's like a peacock, you know, when it opens up its fan and it, you know, it spreads the, you know, its feathers wide and you see all those colors. That's, you know, when it's closed, that is the first question, right? You get question one. But if you're truly listening, 
you'll realize it spreads wide open and you should allow yourself to travel down the path of the question leading to really what the questions, you know, that are behind it are there. That's where you're going to really find your information. That's where you're going to really find your guidance. You're going to find your answers. You can't just stop at one question. So let me ask you, when you're this whole experience of them coming up with questions and you're you're not solving it, you're letting it be another question, another question, another question. How do you get people to just be comfortable with never having, you know, there's going to be some things you just can't answer, just allow for more questions. Like, what do you do to encourage them to be okay with not knowing yet? To be patient. Like even what you said with the surfer waiting for the surf, you know, the surf's going to come back. What do you what do you do to help them occupy their mind while they're still experiencing and that they may not even get the answer that they were hoping they would get out of that question? You know, I, I don't even know if that's clear. Yeah, enough. yeah, no, I, I get it. You know, I'm I'm actually thinking about the peacock itself and your your metaphor, which I really I like. Um, the peacock as an animal is a visionary animal and a, a metaphor for royalty, spirituality, and like a sense of guidance. So, at, like. When we are able to do that and survive not knowing, because we've been programmed. See, the, the thing of having to know everything is a program that makes us fear not knowing. But you see, and it makes us fear uh, that if we don't know that we're going to be in chaos. We've been, we, but nature is chaos. We are, we are a chaos as human beings. Right now as we speak, there's thousands of cells destroying itself and coming back together. It's a chaotic, it's literally chaotic, but we've been programmed to fear chaos instead of bathe in it. So what I've learned from these incredible medicine men and medicine women is the thing is that they're not afraid of chaos and, and, and where most of this world is. And I'm not saying that like chaos in the streets is, I'm just saying that to be a part of the natural order of being human, we've lost our humanity. So I just so so when we get back to our humanity, uh, part of being human is to enjoy the mystery and to not know what's going to have to happen next and to listen. As Tesla says, we are transmitters and receivers. And so when we are too busy knowing everything, then what seems to happen is is we stop listening, and then we stop receiving. And as electromagnetic beings, we are connected to nature around us and we and we just but we just we've forgotten how to listen and we need to remember how to listen and i know for myself you know i i've i've had times in my life where i just realized that everything i thought i thought i knew isn't actually the way it is even after reading every self-help and spiritual book out there like most of it's not most of it's not that way and anytime i try and put language on it it fails in comparison well, and I, I think something interesting, you know, that, that you said is, you know, um, people people are going to uh, kind of receive things, I think, in different ways as well. Yeah. So yeah. Um, and, and I think a lot of that just has to do with perspective. So um, one thing I, I don't know if you've read a book by um, Jenny Blake called Pivot, um, but she talks a lot about uh, people who are impactors and she talks about um those people are at their best when they're being stretched. And you mentioned a couple answers back. You know, you kind of talked a little bit about, you know, if, if you're not if you're not growing, you know, you're dying, you're stagnant. Um, so 
what are you doing? I mean, obviously, you're you're leading these CEOs through these different exercises and and doing these things, kind of pushing yourself to the edge. But you know, what are you doing to to kind of outside of that to really invest in yourself, but also to to keep yourself stretched so that you just continue to grow? Yeah, uh, I was just debating if I share this or not um in a good way i mean it's more like <laughs> yeah i haven't really gone out about it is this but, one of but, those things that you're like well i don't know if i should put this out on the airwaves yeah yeah i mean basically i think i think this world is ready for some new ways to live and and so essentially what if there was uh, an evolved version of an eco village that existed where people could find a sanctuary to live in where it wasn't like nothing wrong with hippies but it wasn't a bunch of hippies it was actually just uh, it, it, it was it was like modern but not modern, and it was a play. It was a village that was modern, and a village where there was all the best technologies for solar power, the best technologies for water, best technologies for permaculture and food, and and the average the average uh, the best ratio is about 150 people. And what if there was a grid of multiple ones of those all over the world, and then developed its own kind of like a I want to say, utopian village, um, and and there there were all the resources that they needed to to live a life of peace. Because I think retirement of the future is not about having, you know, two hundred million in the bank. Retirement of the future is about having food, water, friends around you, and 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 also I think that people are getting a little frustrated with the current shackles systems that exist right now. So perhaps what if there's something new that exists? And so, uh, how I stay on my edge is I create big problems and it solves all my other problems. The only problem I have right now is that we, as a human family have, we can only evolve so much in this soup of soup of, uh, distractions and, uh, and it's time we remove the distractions and go back to being human again. And, uh, and being human is a great thing. We, we are the ultimate technology, but we have forgotten. So what if, so what my so the way so creating a big problem called let's build something completely new okay that's a this is an interesting idea and um i'm i may be a little bit of a closet hippie myself when it comes to (laughs) when it comes to when it comes to some ideas like that so um so i i always like to kind of hear different people's ideas um about about those sorts of things um but well, I, there's ideas. There's ideas, and then there's getting it done. True. See, everyone's got a freaking idea for this. <laughs> yeah. But then, then it's like, let's let's get it done. Right. Like, I'm not. I'm not. Well, while I respect ideas, it's great. They're kind of worthless without execution. So I'm actually going to get it done. There you go, man. I love it. Be bold. <laughs> That's. I love it. Just get it done. <laughs> and it's not me. It's not just me doing it. You know, I can't own this. This is a whole. This is. There's many. It involves many people. I can't succeed alone. So. Yeah, there's a guy here in uh, Seneca, South Carolina, and I'm giving him a little shout out in case he's listening, but um, uh, Scott Bunn, and he has um, the Seneca Treehouse Project, and it's basically all around permaculture, whole yeah. sustainable communities. I don't know if you go look him up if you get a chance. He's right here on the east coast of the U.S. Uh, in Seneca, South Carolina. He's got a beautiful property. Um, what, what What is it? What's it, the? It's the Seneca Treehouse Project, Seneca Treehouse Project. And the guy's name is Scott Bunn. So anyone listening, check him out. This guy is 
big permaculture and he i mean everything i mean everything he does you know is all around the idea of sustainability um oh, that's awesome. yeah so you know check him out and and you're right there are people like yourself that are literally and this guy i've watched him I mean, give up great job opportunities, all kinds of stuff, because he believes so much and he's in alignment with this so much that he, I mean, literally, this is what he, his wife and his child are doing. And they bring people in uh, to train them how to use tools, how to build, you know, how to do, you know, gardening, how to build sustainably. I mean, everything. This guy trucked a tiny house all the way down to Louisiana then, then mm. and the whole goal was to show people, you know, sustainable living, but they also built one when they got down there and, and just, and then ultimately, um, it was one that was, I think, given away or something. I mean, it was just a powerful experience, but these guys are like, like literally week to week going, Hey, we're growing our own food. Like they're, I mean, he showed that he's showing that I don't have to have that big check right now. He's just yeah. working on. You can That's sustain freedom. yourself. You know what I mean? You can do these things. And if you get other people to buy in, think about how that can, you know, you create momentum. You you can exponentially increase the outcomes for everybody and you can yeah. improve the we're, lives. We're ready for something new. I mean, yeah. humanity is ready for something new. And 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 the, the currency of the future is wisdom and community. So this makes total sense. And people right now might foo-foo it. Some people, and what I can tell you is that the so-called quote top, because there is no top, um, there's many, many high, high performing entrepreneurs that are thinking exactly the same way. Yeah, well, I think, you know, sustainability is just such a hugely, hugely important thing um, right now in, I mean, in the U.S., in the world. So um, I, I love that we had the opportunity to, to hit on that. Um, but I, I do know that we're, um, we're kind of getting to the point where we're going to, you know, get to the end. So I have a question um, that we really like to ask. Mm -hmm. um, what are three things that you are most optimistic about uh, in 2017? I'm optimistic about the the human spirit prevailing and the rise of the sacred feminine uh, so that we can have less wars and famine and domination in this world. And I'm optimistic of the humbling of the synthetic masculine to transcend and move to the divine masculine where we will realize as men that we have a responsibility to... Um, to look after the feminine and to protect and to love and that we as men, we, everything we've been told to about who we are as men is pretty much a lie and it's time to move past that and realize that the fact that we care is our biggest strength and um, and brothers will join as brothers and sisters will join as sisters and spend time s separated for, uh, in, in groups and they'll come back together even stronger and develop back to their symbiotic relationship between each other and and so I have faith in 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 that. I love that answer. I'm, I am someone who, you know, actually recently I was listening to uh, another podcast with uh, Amy Jo Martin, and she talked about having strong male mentors uh, in her career. And she talked about that, that, you know, really just working together and appreciating each other and our strengths is, is something that is just so powerful. And that, you know, if everybody could just focus on the individual and what they bring to the table, uh, it, it would be 
it'd be a wonderful, wonderful place. So, um, so yeah, so we've, you know, I, I've just, I've just really enjoyed the conversation with you today. This yeah, is- both of you guys, it was great. And hopefully people enjoyed listening and I, I feel that some did. So um, many did. So thank you. Well, Hey, they did. Um, I know they, they did, they will. And this, this will have some shelf life. I, I believe that. So where, what would be Jeffrey, if you were to say, these are like, tell us something that you're, you're getting ready to release and do something just you're excited about. And then also where would you say, if people could say, I want the straightest line to get to this guy, where would you send them? Uh, they can go to the, uh, or Je- sorry, Jeffrey, J-E-F-F-R-E-Y, Slater, S-L-A-Y-T-E-R.com, that, my website. and Or they can go to the Jeffrey Slater show uh, where I just, weird conversations there with a lot of interesting content, <laughs> the Jeffrey Slater show. And then another place, and then I'm releasing a book called The Evolutionary Entrepreneur, which should be out in a couple of days uh, on on audible the evolutionary entrepreneur and that's how ancient wisdom is how how ancient wisdom is affecting billionaires industry icons and um things of that nature how it's how it's affecting them in life and it's a great book and i'm excited to release it and that's awesome well man look this has been a great conversation and we're going to keep our eye on you (laughs) cool and we hope you you, and it's been fun yeah and we hope you'll do the same and um So for those of you listening, this has been another episode of Uphill Conversations. Remember, you can be more, do more, and have more. Everything in life worth having, you're going to have to go uphill to get it. You can't go uphill with downhill habits. And most importantly, you will see people like myself, Megan, and Jeffrey on the hill. You've been listening to Uphill Conversations. If you'd like to hear more, subscribe to the show at uphillconversations.co. See you on the hill.